0: racing it's life anything that happens before or after
1: its just waiting hello listeners and welcome to times lap episode one i am ashleen welcome to the new motorsports podcast we are here live from the uk we're well, not live for a podcast, but hey ho. But yeah, I am Ashley, and welcome to a brand new podcast. Uh, it won't just be really me talking; that would be dreadful. I have two wonderful people with me. I will introduce them in order. So, ladies first. Welcome to Time Flap, Nick. How are you doing, hon?
0: I am good. I am good. How are you?
1: I am wonderful. This is the start of a new adventure. I'm all excited.
0: Um, I will give everyone a pre-warning: my lack of knowledge for racing is interesting shall we say. i'm a new learner i am new to the sport i'm shining you
1: yep and i can't wait for this thing to go we'll explain that but also we'll have with us on the streams streams podcasts god so many audio and video things that go out there also with us is ryan hello ryan are you okay sweetie
2: hello i'm good thank you
1: good So as Nick says, Nick's quite a newbie um, to the whole sport. Um, You could almost call it maybe, would it be unfair to say you're sort of a drive to survive era, Nick?
0: Um, um, Surviving but not
2: thriving is how I would go with it.
1: (laughs) Fair (laughs) enough. And Ryan, you've watched the sport for how long? How long have you been into it?
2: On and off for a few years. I, I mean, I only really recently got into it um maybe five years ago properly but uh before then it was kind of a watch with the family kind of thing um only really into f1 not so much yeah. anything else i guess
1: yeah well for me my earliest memories of motorsport are mansell and the ferrari so i go well back on it So that's what we thought we'd want to do. Rather than having um, an oldie like me that's been following the sport for years that might be jaded with everything that's happening today, we thought we'd have a good mixture. Ryan, like I say, he's been following the sport for five years and different bits on and off, and Nick's a newbie. So what we thought we'd do with this podcast is rather than just, like a lot of podcasts out there that just cover the current news events and different bits, which we will do, as the show goes on, we're going to do little learning bits like um, history of the sport and different bits. And we're going we're gonna to teach Nick about the history of the sport, Ryan knows a bit, but between us, we're going to do like I say, we'll cover the modern Formula 1 as it is, but we're also going to talk about the past as well and have a good mixture of the two, because I think I'm one of these that loves history anyway, and to know the future, you've got to see where you're going in the past and different bits. But that's for the future, because we thought as it's the end of the year, and we've been having this in the plans for a while, but we wanted to get this 2023 season over, we're just going to start with an end of year review and we're going to cover what we have enjoyed um, and how we view 2023 as a whole and our impressions. So this actual first podcast isn't going to be the template for future podcasts, weirdly. (laughs) But it's the end of the year, so we thought we would do an end of year review. Perfect. So what we're going to start off with is our top five drivers of the season. Now, the way we're doing this is it's not a case of how they've performed wins because every basically every show is going to have to have Max Verstappen as number one which would be really really dull you know he did the best blah blah, blah. but what we want is top five drivers that have brought us joy and in fun in the season so that is open to our own interpretation and um, you know you may disagree with us just fine but you can't argue with whatever drivers we've enjoyed listening watching so rather than it top five yeah these have been the best drivers top five we've enjoyed watching so i will start off for us um at number five i'll do my number five then nick will do here number five and then ryan here's number five so starting off for me at number five was lando norris um more the second half of the year was the upgrades coming. in But what I did find with Norris was it was good to see him finally have some competition in the second seat. The last couple of years of Danny Ricciardo not really pushing him. And then we have this new teammate in Oscar Piastri absolutely pushing him from more or less, because even when the car was crap and it was at the back of the grid, you could watch, if you were watching lower down, you would see that it wasn't a case of Oscar was 10, second, 10 20 seconds behind Norris after a half race distance. Even though the car was rubbish, he was keeping me honest. Nice. But I like the way that Lando managed to respond to that. He did sort of make a few qualifying errors towards the end of the year. Um, but all in all, he grabs that car, which I still think a McLaren car as a whole has its issues. And it has got sort of fundamental chassis defects that an upgrade wouldn't have worked on. But I do find that he had the pressure and he actually rose to it. And it was good because sometimes when you've been the lead driver, but suddenly a number two coming in and pushing you and sometimes beating you can really flummox a driver and the performance can completely go downhill. But I, was, I think I enjoyed knowing he brought a lot of life to races where there's not been a lot of life in several races this year. So that was my number five. What about you Ryan, what's your number five?
2: um for me uh i'm gonna go with liam lawson i think he was drafted in very late notice minimal f1 experience um raced for five races and uh straight away p13 p11 and then in his third race a points finish with p9 um, i think he's definitely put um a red bull stump on his on his first seat whether it be the the you know the junior team or the or the, the seniors team i think he's 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 come in and where some struggle in that regard and are only really just filling a seat for sponsorship he's actually gone ahead and scored points for the team so i feel like he there was a lot of pressure on him and he delivered
1: yeah agree i mean the thing is as well for you're right. really it got better towards the end but they had a shocker of a start of the season it was probably the first bit of good news for them all year once Lawson started performing I mean De Vries, I mean I remember at Baku when De Vries stuck it in the barrier I think it was in qualifying Q1 and it just absolutely had that vibe of this is a driver that's not going to make the season this is going to be your Scott Speeds and all the different drivers that um Toro Rosso with chewed through and all these different bits. He isn't going to last a season, and he didn't. The car was at the back. I think before Lawson had got it, got there, they'd scored three points all season. They were nowhere, and yeah, he really, he was some good news for um, AlphaTauri, and he also he really, he really made sure we could test Ricardo as well because Yuki, we don't quite know, and it was just interesting to see how it lit that up that it wasn't just a case of oh ricardo's in and he's beating yuki we don't know how we We had somebody else to measure to so yeah i do agree i think he was a really good um nice surprise in the year and certainly something alfa needed what about you then nick who have you got for number five
0: (laughs) um hamilton
1: okay interesting what 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 was it that did you for hamilton for this year
0: Firstly, Roscoe, obviously. Duh. You know, all of my reasons are going to be wild. But um, Roscoe, for starters, not only that, um, I think he was aware and it was obvious that that car wasn't the greatest on the grid. It's been an up and down season for Mercedes. Um, And I think he was quite humble throughout the season. He wasn't... You know, I know obviously everyone has their moments, but he, was, he wasn't he was very aggressive. He he was very appreciative, grateful. He was kind to the team from what I saw. Um, and, you know, he tried his best knowing that he wasn't going to win. And I think from someone who was at the top for so long to be straight back down in the pecking order, I think he did all right, plus Roscoe. Yeah, and Roscoe. Yeah, that does
1: hear, you know... Uh can be a motivational breaker that when you've been up top for so long suddenly your car's rubbish and for Mercedes it turned out that winning Russell winning Brazil last year turned out to be the worst thing that could have actually happened to him because that meant they stuck with this concept which didn't work and they've had a winless season but also on top of that Hamilton did respond quite well because last year everybody was saying oh Russell's going to out outsmart him he's going to beat him this is it this is Hamilton and he actually you know bar the Qatar mess up really he's he outquali out qualified Russell all season and let's bring Ryan in because Ryan is a Mercedes fan so I don't think it would be fair to um, <laughs> not say, so how do you agree number five how do you how do you feel um... Hamilton did this season
2: I mean spoiler alert there's not a single Mercedes driver on my list because really? I didn't want, I didn't want it to be all about Mercedes and I also think that you know Mercedes don't have anything to cheer about um... But I do think I do think Lewis um, has done well. I think last year, I think I, I personally think last year the reason why Lewis was performing worse was because he was the one that was testing a lot of concepts, um, and I think George had a more stable car. And um, I still think George has done well this season. Don't get me wrong. I mean, uh, but I think yeah, Lewis. It's not about it's not about how high you you stand. It. It's about how you fall, which determines you as a personality. And I think I think Lewis. After winning so much, um, has fallen with grace, and I, I don't, I don't anticipate that from Verstappen when his time comes. I think Verstappen will be a sore loser, and we already know he's a sore loser. Just if you just look at the one of the very few races that he didn't win this week, this week, this season, um, and yeah, I, th- I think I think Lewis has definitely shown his true character in the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, I think it, and it can be cut. I think one thing that stands out for me with Hamilton was at um, last year, at uh, Saudi Arabia when he got knocked out Q one, and just that shot of him out the car and just standing and looking at the car and just knowing that, regardless, this isn't something you fix in a season. They're in for a long haul. So. He's kept it together, and I really thought he would retire. So the fact he's uh, you know extended his deal, and he's actually them feeling to retire, especially after a certain finale in twenty twenty one that we'll not talk about because I don't need the toxicity. Not really. We, we only have an hour. But, yeah, we really only have about an hour. So yeah, so no, it's it's um, we'll see how he goes on next year. What will be the interesting test is if Mercedes don't make progress next year and how that affects him. But I think you couldn't have re- you couldn't really have asked for more. The Mercedes executed races when they could. And yeah, just it's the first time in this hybrid era they haven't won a race, so that's you know quite shocking. I want to predict it there. But on to number four, I will go my number four for me. It is Alex Albon, um, absolute rejuvenation story uh, for me. He shows us what's wrong with the Red Bull driver program that it's all or nothing with them, and he's been able to reinvent himself. He is the only driver in the field to out qualify his teammates in every race. And the last time that happened to someone was Alex Albon at Red Bull. So I really think, you know, he's dragged that car kicking and screaming in places. I think his teammate is um, underperforming in the car um has managed to keep his drive as well, which I, was, I don't know how I feel about that. We'll talk about it in a season preview. Um, so he, he yeah. Sargent underperformed in the car and I think Albon overperformed in the car and the before it's one of them where the performance of the actual car is somewhere in the middle But some of the laps he put in, some of the races and how he strung them together and how he he stole points and different bits That is not, they finished 7th, that's not the 7th fastest car on the grid You know and the fact he managed to get do that and it's just a really really nice Disaster at Red Bull 2 Respected driver. Whether he's got race wins and championships, I anything that's another matter. But I do think that he's managed to banish that terrible Red Bull period where everybody thought, "Jesus Christ, why are these raising him?" He's shown he's a capable driver in F one. What about you, Nick? What's your number four?
0: What <laughs>
1: <laughs> Ah, okay, interesting. Uh go, on, what, what for, uh, uh, uh go on. What have you got for number? Go <laughs> on. What have you got for number four? Why? 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 Why?
0: Oh, not a lot to do with his driving. I'll be honest. I just like his calendar. I think it's great.
1: And that's what I thought it was. Um... Honestly,
0: um, I don't know if people have seen it yet, but the Secret Santa video. You should watch it because Botas is is there. And I'm 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 here for that. And I'm I'm I think that builds as a personality and a character. And yeah, I'm here for that. I'm here for the calendar.
1: He had to have something good this year because... I think he had to,
0: because from Mercedes to, well...
1: That. So, well, Alpha Salvat. The, the trouble is with that, it's not just that, that Salvat, Alpha Romeo, Salvat frustrate me so much because they started the 2022 season with a new reg so well because they got the car under the weight more than anybody else. And they're a team that have just frustrated me since they've been Alpha Romeo. They just seem to spin around in circles. And you think they don't execute races fully... You know, that last year, they sort of we're getting there the year before, they were just throwing points left, right and centre. They were keeping Kimi Räikkönen on because... I don't know. And, yeah, I feel like Bottas may be coming to the end of his career now. I don't know what they're going to be like with the car next year. I can't see him still being there when Audi officially take over. So, it's been rough, but he's kept his head. I mean, we've seen people, like, say, stroll the temper tantrums he's had. You never saw that from Bottas. So... Yeah,
0: no, and, and all of his end of year interviews, he was actually really positive. Um, and even throughout his interviews, he was like, you know, I, I want more highlights of the year. I want to try harder. I want to do well. You know, you can't really ask for more. It's just someone who wants to do well and is trying to do well rather than, I'm going to throw a temper tantrum and throw my toys at the pram. Yeah,
1: exactly. And that, when you're a team down at the back of the grid, that's the kind of attitude you need rather than somebody that's just going to drive around and pick up the paycheck. Right. <laughs> so yeah (laughs) who have you got for your number four then
2: ryan i've just realized that this software has made my microphone 200 percent. so i've just amended it i hope that's okay um i would i would just touch on bottas i think um i think bottas is possibly doing a schumacher um what schumacher did with mercedes and he's just kind of hanging around and helping them develop the car into what will be their new era um and yeah i think bottas is very much winding down like you said um and just kind of I think, but I think he's just enjoying driving at this point as well. Like, he's just kind of living his best life, and and, and I, I I respect him for that. Um, we're on number four, aren't we? I've completely lost yeah. track. So my <laughs> yeah, number four is Oscar Piastri. Ooh,
1: okay.
2: I yeah. I think a, this he potentially may be one of the best rookies I've ever seen. Um. Which I think he's done better than Lando Norris's rookie season, despite the fact that obviously Lando's doing better now. Um, obviously, he had his sprint win, which was amazing. Um, but he's also been really consistent, um, like especially towards the second half of the season, he's took the upgrades really well, and he's had consistent point finishes. Um, not only did he have his sprint win, but he had a, um, two podiums in a row, which are Pan and Qatar. Qatar, is, as you, you know. Um, looks like an absolute hellhole to drive in because it's so difficult. Um, and I think a lot of new drivers struggle the most with, um, you know, street races and stuff like that. Um, I think Oscar is um, a serious contender, um, to you know, eventually start fighting Lando at the top when they finally have a championship winning car. Um, if they do, but obviously that is the aspiration. I can seriously see a potential Rosberg Hamilton situation where you have two, two drivers who are very capable of winning that championship.
1: Yeah, and I've got him as my number three. So I felt that one thing for him is coming into the season. There's not been a driver with so much. Hype or controversy, but the whole thing with the way that Alpine, the McLaren, um, arguing uh, the previous summer over his um, services, oh, and that I mean the way I mean at the end of the day, people hated um, we're onto after That was completely and utterly the screw up of Alpine. We can go into it another time, maybe, but that was all yeah. Alpine. It turned out they never had a proper contract. They were questioning his integrity and things like that. At the end of the day. It's Formula One. You weren't giving him a contract. You were trying to play him off against Alonso. McLaren swooped in. That's what happened. If Ricardo yeah, had been delivering, it had never been an issue. But he came into the season with that kind of pressure, with a team late night Loris, a car that at the start of the season was woeful, and he just knuckled down and he really did some impressive performances. I think he's, you know, I, people have been saying and I do agree in different it, that sometimes his mid race pace wobbles and bits like that. But for a rookie season in a field that is as close as it is, and I'm not. The the comparison to Hamilton's rookie season is nonsensical because it's completely different eras with different cars where they were and in performance wise. But yeah, he really, you know, as like I say, all that pressure coming into the season, all the things he's managed to achieve, and like I say, the first teammate to really put pressure on Norris in a few years. Yeah. Well, do you have you got anything to add on, Oscar, Nick?
0: I really like his mom's tweets.
1: I'm not. Is mum's tweets? Oh, well, we'll ha- post-podcast I'll have to have a look at that, because I, ha- I-, I tend listening?
0: to not. <laughs> she is hilarious. She is honestly a gem in herself. I think she actually made it onto the highlights with her tweets once. They are just hilarious. Are
1: they, uh, thinking, are they, are they good in a fun way, or are they controversial and annoying, like, sort of like a motor racing dad annoying style way? Oh, no, she just abused him. Like if Joss
2: Verstappen had Twitter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh i'll have to check them out i will have to check them out um okay well like i say Piastra is my number three and we've talked us that let's go to nick what was your number three lando oh so you put lando at three so okay so didn't think we really asked you what was it for you with lando that stood out this year what entertained you
0: i think he's got i think both of them are very good drivers to be honest They both have determination. And to be fair, they would have been a joint three. Um, They both have determination. They're both... they both got positive attitudes. They're both out there trying their best absolutely for the team. Um, With Lando, for me, it's his... I want to say spirit. His spirit of, like, with the other drivers um he's just he's a good
2: just, guy yeah
1: he's got a, yeah he's got a personality like i think if you look at somebody like max who just wants to race just wants to drive he's somebody like like i tend to avoid the build-ups because they get on my nerves but if you've got a land if somebody's with lando and all that you watch some kind of things and his personality shines through and he makes you laugh and you know he's serious what he needs to be and he's a personality off the track which is what formula one needs
0: yeah so... and for him um for one of my moments with him is he had ended up on the podium and the first thing he did was go and hug his dad um you know and i was just like you know he's down to earth it's not just about a pay packet like he wants to make his parents proud he's still very young i think i forget how young he is to be accomplishing what he's accomplished um but no i do think they're a strong team um need the car and the skills and the teaching to back it
1: yeah agreed i think i think with a lot of drivers at the minute on the grid that are near the top sort of thing it's one of the things where you feel like you just want them to have a car that can go for the championship and race wins because they're not they're really good and you want a car that can prove that whether they sink or swim because the pressures get different when you're at the top but you feel there's so many drivers that have potential that the cars are limiting them, not they're limited by the car. And Lando is definitely one of them. So yeah, I can't wait to see what he does next year if McLaren deliver. So who have you got for your number three, Ryan? Uh,
2: for my number three, uh, I've got I've got Alex Albon. Um, I think pretty much everything that you said. I think the Williams car is getting there, but it's nowhere near seventh on the grid. Um, I think he's probably been you know quite good in this respect of obviously logan's logan logan sargent hasn't had the best season um but also uh we we mentioned logan earlier on and i will say i must i must think it must be incredibly hard being a rookie in a car like that i know he's not been the best but i think i think you know credit to him for getting points at the end of the season but yeah i think alex is he's finally found his own team he's found a team that respects him and I would argue that they'll be they will probably building that car around Alex now, so I think the results are only going to get better. Um, I really like Alex. I liked him at Red Bull. I think he had some very unfair races. Um, okay. I know Lewis Hamilton was very attracted to him and couldn't stop touching him at one point. Um, <laughs> on on the grid, that is. Um, yeah. You yeah. know, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah,
1: um, it? it was Austria Austria and Brazil they like, clashed, wasn't
2: it? Yeah, like, and I th- I just think that. And... And I think that Alex I was, was actually, I saw a video and I think Alex was actually closer to Verstappen than Perez was. But because the car is so much better now, you don't notice that because Perez is still getting a, a consistent P2 in the championship. But Alex was yeah. actually closer on pace. Um, but obviously because the, the field was so tight then, although he was closer, he was further in in standings. Um, but yeah, I think Alex is is going to, I think next season he's going to shine. I think it's, yeah. he's only going to get better.
1: And one thing I will add, there, I think, is also it's just nice to feel good about Williams again. They've been in the doldrums for so long, and like the twenty nineteen season for him, they didn't even have the car ready for testing. And you know, losing Frank Williams, which is a massive blur. Which you know, he was a legend of the sport, is a legend of the sport, and things like that. It's just been really tough on the Williams name, and it isn't the same Williams for me anymore with Frank not being there. But it was just nice every now and then to see a Q3 appearance and things like that, or, you know, a few points and that. It's just nice to finally have some positive news about Williams.
2: Yeah. Cause I think losing, I think losing George was probably a massive blow for them. Um, oh, cause George, George was that kind of driver as well. He was, you know, racing the pants off that thing. Um, and Alex has come in and done the same thing. So it's very good for them. And it means that, and I think that because of Alex's performances, they can afford to give Logan another season. Whereas if Alex was more mediocre and maybe got one or two points here and there, I don't think they'd be able to afford to give Logan another chance and they'd have to get someone else in. So yeah. I, I think that you know he, he is very much carrying the team in that regard. Um, and I think it's a, it's a weight of Logan's shoulders now. And, and hopefully he'll come in next season after having a bit more experience and a good summer um, and get some results.
1: Yeah, it's a really good point with that because I think Logan probably, I'm going to say like Perez, Logan has the first part of the season to get his act together and if he is not shown it, I can see a mid-season replacement if there's somebody in the wings waiting. But yeah, it's a good, fair point. Is there anything you want to add on, Alex, uh, Nick, before we move on?
0: I think um, you're right in about um, the Red Bull and the distance. I think I'd also, I don't know if you'd watched the interview on that. Did you?
1: No.
2: Yeah, that's how I found it. Um yeah. the interview of Alex, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um I think you're right. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. That's my
1: thought. A really good feel or you know, feel good story, which is what we need. So moving on to second, um I am gonna post uh, the thingy um Max Verstappen. Um, for as much for me as he like he's a you know, every number one in regards to points, blah 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 blah. I've put Max in at number two because whilst he has been moaning and if things have gone wrong, his radio calls get a bit ratty and which is why I want to see him under pressure properly from other drivers and teams and him feel that pressure. I think you have to put into context what he's done this season when you compare it to his teammates as well. Because if if you think about it, if they had two Perez-level drivers, A, the championship would have been a lot more exciting. But you'd be thinking of that Red Bull as a fairly average car. You know it. You know it'll have crashed out in Q, Q two, Q one, several times. It've been scoring ninths, tenths when you know. And it'd have been that you have been well. Oh, it's a close season. The Red Bull probably is. It's decent, but it's not one of the best new cars. Whereas Max has taken that car, and he's just he is. At, and Perez isn't a. This isn't a, what I would call a Alonso stroll thing, where Stroll has his odd good day, but generally not up there. Perez is a decent driver. Perez's skills are looking after tires, getting it up there and picking off points and Max has not only shown how good that car is, he's shown how you somebody like when with somebody like Senna or Schumacher, they can be that quick and that powerful that they destroy their teammates mentally. Because you can tell that from all the things of oh the car was moving away from you know, all that. No, the sheer things that Max was able to do in that car that perez wasn't he lost confidence and whilst yes by about lap three you knew you were kind of like well this is this race done i have to give respect to somebody who has been able to do that with the car destroy the teammate and yeah like i say if you had somebody if you had two perez style drivers in the car we wouldn't be saying that so i have to give him a lot of credit for that anything you want to add to that nick
0: he's also my number two
1: oh, he's your number two, okay,
0: similar reasons, or, because I know we didn't take the Um, calendar out. So, I know, right, but, (laughs) um, I don't know if I would actually buy that calendar. Um, (laughs) I think multiple reasons, one, I value his friendships, he has a lot of friendships with the drivers, Um, I know that he is quite close with um, Lando, Um, and I think, you know, I think it says a, quite a lot about the characters of the drivers when they maintain their friendships all year round with their friends, um, which are drivers, obviously. Um, I also think, you know, part of it being a lack of that he doesn't care because he is the winner and he knows he's the winner. Um, but he was also, I think, sometimes a voice for the drivers. Mm-hmm. I think um, there were sometimes some terrible races. Um, or some terrible conditions and he made their feelings known Um, and I also just like how much he didn't care in interviews I honestly genuinely loved that about him his sarcastic humour for me in interviews was hilarious because the rest of the drivers would take it all seriously and he's like yeah and what you know I am the winner that is me that's who I am and you know, he would tell you, you know, I, I don't appreciate his temper tantrums and I don't appreciate how he would behave, but I do appreciate that he would tell you things straight. He would tell you the facts. Um, I also liked how he, know, he knows he was good enough and he knows he was so good that he could stop focusing on his race And start focusing on Checo's race. And he was obviously watching on the screen. And he was telling Red Bull how to do it. Um, And there would be a part of me that I'd argue saying, actually, he probably does know a little bit more than them. He is actually out there in the car. He is actually doing the race. So, yeah, maybe he should be given a little bit of strategic advice, if he can, and being sat in that car. Um, So I do appreciate that for him. Um, But, no, I do think, you know, aside from the fact that he can be an utter nose, he... I think he has got quite um a funny sense of humor it's very it's a very um sarcastic sense of humor but
1: yeah dry as well it is
0: very dry but it's funny and it's you know vegas there was all this big celebration and he was just like i just don't want to be here um same when he came up in the car in the swam and he was like i just felt like an utter idiot and he said that in an interview. And I was like, they've just done all of this, and you're like, I just don't like it. And I, I appreciate that he's honest. Um, I think a lot of the drivers wouldn't have that honesty about them. Whereas for Zappen, you can count on to be truthful with you, and I like that. I like that about him.
1: Yeah, I think this year he's grown into the champion role a bit, where he's realised he is the voice. Because I agree, the thing he said about Vegas, I mean, Vegas turned out to be an okay race, um, good race. But that was fair. I think certain reasons we weren't expecting. But I do get his attitude towards the whole gimmicky thing. Like, uh, you go, I've messaged you guys. If you're going, oh, God, here we go to Mexico. Bet go, oh, look, out come with the sombreros. Oh, look, we're in Austin. Out come the cowboy hats. And it's so stereotypical and boring and cheesy. And it's just nice that he does he does cool that stuff. Because you need drivers. Because I know in the past, drivers have said, oh, yeah, this circuit's really good. And it's fun. And they've gone into the back and told that, you know, closest people, yeah, to a bag of shit circuit. It's crap and things like that, so they're not being honest and just playing the corporate line. I mean, like you say, he also... Like, I think the worst bit for me in the year was when he was at the sprint race at Baku, when he was having that massive tantrum on Russell, and I was like, mate, you raced harder than that, so don't. But he has grown into that role, and like I say, it' if, if, if humour subjective, so if you don't like that humour, it's going to grate on you. But what do you think, Ryan? Where, have you placed him in your top five at all, or...?
2: Well, that, that, that would be spoiling the fun. I think... I think Max is a massive cry baby. However, oh. however, I also think he's got an amazing, a funny personality. And I think, you know, he has that banter with people and he genuinely just loves racing. And you can see that, like he'll be in the cool down room and he'll be watching like an overtake, like let's say Hamilton's 30, he'll be watching his overtake. He'll be like, Oh God, that, you know, how'd you do that? He just loves racing and, and, and he hates the theatrics. And I kind of agree with him. Like there's some, the, the the cowboy hats at, at at Austin fair enough I don't mind that but like Vegas and Miami I despise both races because it's just it they're trying to turn it into a Super Bowl
1: yeah
2: and it's it's just, it's so cringy um the, 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 I kind of agree of it yeah
1: the end of the race with the limo ride I was just like what is going oh my on god here? you know what
2: was... Actually, when you wake up at half past five to watch a race in America, which is first of all is a joke, but <laughs> there are people in America on the East Coast that are literally having to stay up until two a.m. to watch a race in their own country, is yeah. an absolute joke. To then just, you know, like you know, I'd like to watch the podiums and then and then go and have a nap or go and do my day, and then just they're getting a limo down the street. I'm like, what's going on? What, what this is like, like. It just annoys me because you've got IndyCar, which is like racing, 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 um, and when when Formula One comes to America, it's it's all this show stuff, and 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 it just feels like they are just trying to get the views, get the corporate, get the sponsorships, um, and I think sometimes, I mean, Austin's separate because Austin is the US GP, but I think with Miami and and Vegas it's just a joke and I th- and we'll go on to that later on uh with vegas because i know it's going to come up but yeah i it's agree with max in that regard yeah, yeah i agree with max in that regard racing it's a formula one race yes you'll have bits and bobs here national form, you'll have your grid walks you'll have your, you know and that's fine but like a limo to the podium come oh, on
1: it, it, well, i went to make the hot drink told my wife what had gone on in the race and they were only just getting to the podium, like, what the hell? Some, you know, something happens, because sometimes when they do come out of the podium straight away, it's like, oh, God. it's, the yeah, podium. it's a safety car.
2: Just... It was stuck behind the safety car. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, okay, who was your number two, then? We haven't done your number two yet,
2: have we? Um, my number two was the
1: Smooth Operator. Uh, Go on, science. Sorry, we've just got to let Nick sing it. Go on.
2: Smooth Operator. I think... Oh, me oh, <laughs> <you've> off. Got... <Yeah. laughs> Mainly because I he was the only that. person who was able to beat the Red Bulls, and yes, you may argue that the reason why the Red Bulls didn't win at Singapore is because they didn't qualify. But you've got to be—you've got to be in—you've got to be there to take the to take the apple. You know, if you're nowhere near the tree, you're not going to get it. And Carlos was behind them, and obviously he got he got in a good position to start the race, and and then carried it through Singapore is still I would argue a, a somewhat difficult race I know it's not like some street tracks but I'd still say it's difficult and the fact that he won it um, and I think was you know it was good Ferrari it kept them in contention for P2 in the championship obviously we we know what happened there but um, I think I, yeah he's my number two for that and obviously I just like him I like his personality I like his determination Um and I also think that he doesn't get enough credit for being um, Charles Leclerc's teammate. Yeah. In the same regard as Perez doesn't get enough credit for being Max Verstappen's yeah. teammate. You're up against someone who is, who is a potential world champion, well not potential in Max's case but Leclerc, a potential world champion in weighting. Um And to only finish six points behind him in the championship? Inarguably mm. not Ferrari's best car. Mm-hmm. I think, I, I, you know, <laughs> I think Ferrari, you know, they 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 know they're not a great car at the moment. They're better than they were in a few seasons, but to to get the win and to also then be quite consistent as well with points, um, and then where you're finishing, I think Carlos is is my second best this season.
1: Yeah. Anything you want to add on, Nick? And I will say, we don't worry about not being able to do your smooth operator fully. This is only the first show, so you can, you can build up as the shows go on.
0: Um. No, That's, no, you have done all my thoughts.
1: Fair enough, and I will go say the number one is for me Carlos signed, simply because, like you say, how he handled handled Singapore, and not only that, like you say, like somebody like Perez got buried, and you've you've got somebody like Charles Leclerc who is a Ferrari favourite. I don't care what they say, you know. Don't forget, this is where we're talking about Leclerc being signed until twenty twenty nine, and the giving maybe signs a one or two year extension there's no question that he is the favorite over signs. but science was able to get that run in the middle of the year where he you know Charles was struggling with the understeer signs was able to take the car he was able to grab it by the scruff of the neck I think the, the low point for me was the final race where he just didn't turn up it seems and there and there was just weird tragicals with Ferrari and everything but he really did for me. He stood out a lot more than I thought he would because there was every chance in that season he could have sunk like Perez did, and he didn't. And like I say, the smart that he was... People forget that he was teammates with Max and he held his own up against Max and Max got all the hype because of the age and all that. But He's still a damn quick driver, and he's a smart driver. The fact is, you could imagine some drivers at Singapore panicking, flooring, just trying to get a gap, get a gap, get a gap, destroy the tyres, and he left as a sitting duck. Instead, he kept the tyres in check. I'll just keep him within DRS range. I know it's tough to pass, and I'll just keep them there. I'll just keep them cars behind me, so none of them. Can, there's a deal. I know how the DRS range work, and I can just control it. And it was brilliant. And like I say, for me, he's my number one because he performed higher than where I thought he would, and he just gave us that win. He, he broke the Red Bull streak, and I think in a year like we've had, if you can't credit him for that, then what can you say? So yeah, he is my number one, and I agree with everything. That um, Ryan said. And Ryan summed it up beautifully. So Nick, we'll go to you then. So who is your number
0: one of 2023? Smooth operator. <laughs> he on. is the smooth operator. Um, for reasons that I'll delve into later. Aha. Um, but yeah, no, he was he was it for me. Um, I think his time management was on point this season. Yeah. Um, I don't think Ferrari was on point, but I think the science was. Uh, yeah, not every race, not every race, but, um, yeah, yeah, he's also, number
1: one. Uh, when, yeah, when Ryan was round at the time we were watching Singapore, and when the safety car come out and blew it and different, um, blew the strategy, should I say, in different bits, and then you have got McLarens coming on fresh tyres and all that. Um, Ryan will survive. So I'm going. Okay, we've lost it. That's it. They've got two fresher tyres. He's a sitting duck. Blah 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 blah. That was a tense race and for him to pull that off. Uh, it was brilliant. So, <laughs> God, that was. A... We actually had some... We actually had a good Monaco Ryan as well. So you need you need to come round my house and watch the races for street races because I... that <laughs> makes street races exciting. But yeah, so who've you got as your number one then, Ryan?
2: The the the. Max Verstappen. I think. You killed him, I, I, you know I know he's, oh, yeah, up Verstappen, he's P1, but he wasn't just the world champion, was he? He has broken more records than I can even count. He's finished one race out of the top two, um, mm. and that was when the science one. You know, he is absolutely incredible. That car is incredible, but he is he knows how to get the most out of it he is at one with the team they you know and I just think that uh, there's not a lot I can say about him because but, but, I don't really like him but <laughs> I really I really appreciate his uh, his I really appreciate his success um and this season itself has just been incredible and I hope to god they don't repeat it because it was boring yeah but yeah, on that front. I respect it um as 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 a fan of of, of racing um and yeah I, I can't really say a lot more about it i'm just sick you of hearing the dutch you, national anthem
1: yeah we've got that's the one good thing about the off season. we've got some time off from that but no i agree entirely because the thing is it, it's one well, especially because of it, because of team bosses i'll say we'll probably get onto this another in another episode but it's become so tribal and formal more than i've ever known it and the way that the FIA, the way that Mercedes kind of, especially Red Bull, because Red Bull a couple of weeks ago ran the tweet of the whole last bit of the the commentary of Max in twenty twenty one. All he did was just stir the crap up, and it was just like, why well, you don't you are being trolls just don't and you don't want that. So you've got to like admire the talent that he's shown this year. I mean, you say like, say he's you know never off the top two bar once. So that's very Schumacher two thousand two. You know who was on the podium and it's one of them things as well as well he's broken all the records i don't want that to happen ever again for the simple fact is we've now got 22 23 24 25 races coming up in the future years and all these kind of things it makes it incredibly tedious and i don't want another incredibly tedious season so you know for me what i will see is people look back at schumacher's era now and they go oh it was great why wasn't racing more like that look at that it was brilliant and schumacher was schumacher's the goat and blah, blah, blah. and people say that and i living through that period people hated schumacher winning all the time the moment formula one was boring the reason we have the rules that we have now and the way formula One shapes the way it was is because schumacher won so much in 2002 that we started the whole trend of. Changing practice sessions, changing the rules, letting sprint races in—that that whole cycle we have today, from long, was started by Schumacher winning so much. So I think in another ten years, people will look back at this season and go, "Well, yeah, we watched somebody absolutely destroy the field." So, couscous, and hopefully all the Red Bull fans don't hate us now. We, you know, we've we've put our I did. I did make inside. them
2: number one, and you made them number two. So, yeah. just saying. Look, we we are clearly despite being not Red Bull fans, we are clearly in par- impartial in that regard. We can appreciate yeah. a good a good racer, so...
1: And, and to be fair, my problems with Do Red Bull... Do you prefer Monster, though? Yeah. Well, I've stopped energy drinks, but I think all I'll say on the Red Bull front is I don't have a problem with the drivers, really. I don't have a problem with the actual mechanics that work their asses off on them car. It's the team management I don't like, really, with them. That's the problem with me, but... So, we'll just quickly recap our top five drivers then. So, for me, my top five were Lando Norris, Alex Albon, Oscar Piastri, Max Verstappen and Sainz. Nick, what were your top five? Uh,
0: Hamilton, Bottas,
2: Lando, Verstappen and Sainz.
1: Yep, and Ryan, yours were?
2: Uh, My top five were Lawson, Piastri, Albon, Sainz and Verstappen.
1: So, yeah, so let us know what you think of them lists. Um... You can put, uh, we will plug our social medias and different bits at the end if you want to send us comments. We haven't got an official one yet, I'm going to set that up. But yeah, so that's our top five drivers. Now we're just going to do a little it sort of like an end of season awards. Um, so we'll start off, I'll go first, with the best Grand Prix of the year. Now I'm going to have to preface this just because I wasn't looking forward to this race, but I've made the best Grand Prix of the year. For con- we'll say controversial or weird circumstances, I've actually gone for the Guitar Grand Prix. Not because it was necessarily the best passing Grand Prix, but it was because of the... Because Pirelli, I don't re- I just, well, I'm going to get started on a Pirelli round on our first show. But just because of how things felt, it was quite nice to have a one-off of seeing a uh, more old-school Formula 1 pit stop-style race where they didn't have to worry about the tyres. They could just attack. And it was just nice to see. It was nice to see something different. And I don't want them to do this for every race. I don't want them to become like. Because of what happened in Canada with Bridgestone. When Pirelli come in. and wants every race to be a tyre management race. Blah, 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 It was just something nice. And whilst there were other factors of the drivers. Being pushed to the physical limits. And different bits. You got to see. A different race. And I just enjoyed that for what it was. The, you know, I'll be, there's other bits, of me, but for me, that was just, just for that, just for that being something different and something to enjoy of drivers, two, three stopping, just bang, 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 lap, 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 push, 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 because a lot of these drivers have never been used to that, so the drivers that swept from Bridgestone's to no fueling near it was completely different They a lot of them did find it easy for different reasons, but to also be doing that in the heat was just brilliant for me, it was, it showed a side you don't see that often. So for each novelty, that's why I picked it as my race. What about you, Nick?
0: Um, I had Silverstone this year. Um, so, calm, I couldn't really remember what happened, so I had to do a quick Google. But I just remember yeah. it was a really good race. I watched it at yours. Um, I It was because um, Lando had qualified in the podium, um, and he had... it. Hamilton had prevented a double podium. It was um, Verstappen, obviously, Lando and Hamilton. But then Piastri came fourth. I mean, it was a terrible race for um, Ferrari. Um, mm. But it was, mm. it was for me, it was Lando, because he was starting from the front row and he finished second. And I just remember how good that was. And I remember, I think, there was a brief moment where Lando was in P1. And I think I remember screaming at your TV, and go on, Lando, because I wanted him to win.
1: Yeah, it was nice, because okay. that, that was the real point of the sort of way that, okay, McLaren have got this upgrade sorted. Um, it, it was one of them that sort of gave you hope as well. It was not just the race, but the context of, okay, McLaren are starting to look decent. And during the you know steamrolling of Verstappen, it made you think, well, now we've got Ferrari mixed in there, Aston Martin, Mercedes. This, this, this you know, this, The final part of the second half of the season could at least be behind a certain Max Verstappen interested so it was nice to see McLaren get their stuff together you know the upgrade finally work and yeah i agree with that what do you think Ryan
2: yeah I think I think I think it was a good race I think I um, I remember nice always having two Brits on the podium in in on the Grand Prix uh, the UK Grand Prix I think it was nice um, it was an exciting race um, and that's what I liked obviously it wasn't the best for Ferrari but they still got a points finish which, which was good um, and, and yeah, that was yeah, it. Was it was a fun race to watch, which well, I think, you... I think is it's not always guaranteed for Silverstone. I think sometimes Silverstone can be a snooze fest.
1: Yeah, it's very hit or miss. I aren't a fan of the new layout. I fear the old one anyway. But and all, if you'd have told me two years ago Alex Albon would um, beat both Ferraris in a race, I'd have presumed it was a wet race or something really freakish happened. But no, he did it on pace. So yeah, no good, good picnic. And what did you go for? Ryan.
2: Right um, I went for Singapore. Um for, for reasons that we've already discussed, obviously uh, it, was, it was it was a win a win for Ferrari and and science, but I think it was exciting because for once for the first time all season we didn't know who was gonna win that race. Yeah. Um and it could have been it could have been anyone. Um I always enjoy Singapore. Um I, I, I think it's one of my favourite tracks for a street race. I think it can be very exciting. There's a lot of variables um and i think all round it was a really good race um uh, i quite enjoyed it
1: yeah and it like like we said before it was it was unpredictable you had the random safety car could max come back is he going to do and just i mean and of course the last lap crash for lando it, it just had everything it really was one of them. where you, it it was one of them races for me that proved that you can have a good race that doesn't need to be a pass fest which you know, you can have intriguing different bits without it being because for me a lot of passes now DRS straight line passes are meh. You know, don't excite me. So it was one of their like, way proofs. Yeah, you can have a good race and you don't need two hundred overtakes to prove that. So okay, so that's all races covered. But let's not be totally positive. Let's go with worst races. I'll start off. Um, I don't you know. This might be an obvious one, but. For me, worst race was Miami, it was kind of a bit, when I sat and thought about worst races, it's like what popped out to me, you know, what race do I struggle to remember the most and can only think negatives, and it was Miami, which was, it was a race, it also signified any hope of the season being interesting was dead, because really you had Perez on pole, Verstappen was ninth after qualifying issues. But Verstappen just picked them all off quite easy. DRS, pass, pass, pass. Perez couldn't get anywhere near up the road in time. Max just won from ninth. His teammates had no answer. And for me, that was what set... It was a dull race in that. It just set the season of, yeah, nobody's stopping Max. If he can start ninth and, you know, Perez have that much of an advantage over him and still just not get away and not do anything... Yeah, it was just, oh, it set, set the set tone for the season and it just killed all hope for me. <laughs> That's why I'm picking it. So, what did you go for, Ryan?
2: Same as you actually. Uh Miami. Um it's not it's not a fun track to watch. It's a cringe fest. Um it's one of those races I quite like and like you Ashley. I quite like the pre-race build-up, but Miami, I will turn that on the moment the the lights go out, off yeah. the 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 green light for this for the at uh, the lap. But um, I don't even bother watching it because it's just so cringy and it makes me want to crawl up and die. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's like for me good to keep bringing in, um let's get ready to rumble guy don't uh, i've been listening to a lot of wrestling podcasts and find out how much he charges to say him and his brothers to say let's get ready to rumble and it's extortionate amount. it's like five figure salaries just to do five seconds work and when he was announcing the drivers in austin and things like that i'm getting names wrong and it's just all them kind of things and, like, oh. and the track is you know you've got what it's just one of them where you've got a long straight but you can't pass because the hairpin's so tight. the only thing i found interesting in the first year was that last little chicane not only because the cars look so horrible going over, it looks like a thing for drivers. make for the drivers, but that went and yeah, it just you see, it's all that thing of rather than look how good the racetrack is, it's look where we are. I don't care where we are. I don't care if we're in the middle of nowhere. The racing, not the surroundings. So, what about you, Nick? Did you go from Miami, or did you have one that was even worse for you?
0: No, I went different. Um, I went for Vegas.
1: Oh, okay. Mm, you no, know, I would have said that was one of the, that was better than I'd hoped for, which I'll go into in a minute with you. So, go on, you've got the stage. Why Why did you think Vegas was the worst of the year?
0: Firstly, I had to get up at 5.57am. Well, that's the time I text you anyway. I've gone back through my text. That's the time I text you. <laughs> Secondly, Lando, I remember that he had a massive crash. Um, and I remember thinking, is he really injured? Not only that, the only thing that entertained me throughout that whole race was that giant bull. It was just Ew. a dull race. It was dull. It was boring. There was no excitement. And I think the build-up that they had for it, and everyone was like, we didn't need this build-up. Um, and they had this massive build-up. And it was just dull. There was, To me, there was no flavor. There was no spice. There was nothing. Um, I knew that the teams had been massively overworked it was it was cold and then it was hot. um I think Ryan touched on it earlier about the times um even in your own country and for me it the amount of money it cost and the amount of money they put into it, the costumes I don't know if anyone can remember the red Bull costumes.
1: Yeah, because it was the closest that Max would probably get to be in... Him. One of them was in red. It was, I remember making a joke of that, yep. suppose he'll still get to be in Ferrari. Although I did but love the Ferrari delivery at Vegas.
0: It was just overpriced, oversold for a dull, boring race. Um, and for me, it just wasn't worth it. Um, it wasn't worth the 5.47 wake-up call. Um <laughs> And personally, I think one of my texts saying to, to you, "Can we use Stroll to take out Max?" Um, <laughs> and I know I felt like Max dominated a lot of races, but it was just one of those like Max is winning. This is nothing special, and it was just an average race, and it was boring. Um, all I remember is that Charles did a cracking and overtake, and that was it. Yeah. I don't remember I if you that, remember that overtake, but it was just not oh, worth yeah. it for me.
1: Yeah, the, the stuff uh, Leclerc did at the end, because he would have been in my top five and I didn't because uh, I just think he, the year from has been a bit too rough in different places. But I think what you've outlined there is interesting, is there were some good moments, like I say, the stuff that Leclerc was doing, the passes he made back, he made Perez look stupid again. But I think the problem with what you've outlined there is that regardless of kind of what happened, the access, the excess of everything killed the vibe. It's just, yeah, and, like, and as we spoke earlier, the whole limo thing at the end and all that, it was just like, it's so gimmicky and access and just the other stuff. And not only that, you know, the, I find it quite unforgivable in 2023 that we have um, bloody sewer covers and drainage covers and things like that coming up. Yeah, that did a lot of damage to Carlos's car. We had the pathetic thing that showed how unflexible the FIA are with their own series and different bits. Them kind of things. I think another thing that I say that I did enjoy the race at safety, which we might lose, is the fact that it was so cold. And the only reason I think it was so unpredictable is a bit like Turkey 2020. Because it was so cold and the tyres weren't getting up to temp, that made things interesting. If they move the track to a warmer time of the year, I think you'll lose that, because I think that was the only thing that was keeping it going. Uh, It shows you the look that Max had, that the clash he had with Russell was what brought out the safety car, which basically stopped Leclerc winning it, because without that, Leclerc, if you look at the lap times and the way it went, Leclerc had it covered. But yeah, I do agree, like I say, you can have some good bits, but you get that drowned out with the -the over-the-topness and all the gimmicks that you just kind of forget anything that can happen. You just end up feeling cold to everything. So yeah, no, interesting choice. Have you got anything to add on that, Ryan? What are your thoughts?
2: No, I think I think um, I'll, I'll I'll move on to Vegas later on. I don't think the race was bad. I think the weekend itself was bad, and um, the the race was better than expected. Um, but yeah, nothing really to add on that.
1: Fair enough. Well, we'll move on to worst team. And um, for me, this is quite simple. I'm going to sum up this quick. It's Haas. Um. He spent 2021 sucking, not upgrading the car, killing Michael Schumacher, Michael, if we could get there, Mick Schumacher's career. He didn't really learn as much as he should have because he couldn't do anything with that car. They said, oh, we're putting everything into 2022. They come with a new car. It's good for the first few races. Um, Mick has a few accidents in different bits because he had a crap car and his teammates suddenly decent and he was basically learning and learning again. And then we come into this year, the car wasn't that good by the end. You bring an un- uninspiring lineup of Hulkenberg and Magnussen that are proof quantities. The car chews the tyres. You don't really bring any upgrades all year, and the upgrade you do bring near the end of the year doesn't work. You're last in the constructors. You've got people saying that Andretti should only be allowed into F1 if they bring something to F1. Well, what the hell are has bringing to F1? Because they've just been disappointment after disappointment. And everybody loves Gunther Steiner. It's oh, he's got the ace. If Gunther didn't drop the F-bomb every now and then, in particular, that's all totally he does. Any team manager that has had the results that he's had since being in to of to be in last multiple times, they'd have been out long ago. And I just find Haas incredibly confusing that you've got a team manager that's got a, running a team that's at the back. They don't bring upgrades. They don't really do anything. They have a terrible, you know, their history of picking sponsors is... Um, yeah, rich energy <clears throat> and different ones, and just I don't if if Andretti apparently aren't good enough for the grid because of different. Why the hell are hassin in several of the teams? And for me, I just find them completely frustrating and a waste of a grid spot. Two grid spots right now, so they're the worst team for me. Anything to add on that, Nick?
2: Um, no what about you ryan uh, to be fair i thought it was biggest failure if it was worse team on the grid then obviously the results done for themselves um i think yeah has just don't really offer anything i like the team as in the team itself i like the people in it um like the crews they're quite you know they're quite funny and the drivers are great i like the drivers but um yeah, they're the only team that have been stuck rock bottom. At least Williams have, have fluctuated a bit, and Alfa Romeo have had a, a, a few good races. Whereas, you know, um, Haas, it, they never change.
1: Yeah, they, they were so predictable. Like I say, K. Mag or um, they would get they would get the car into the top ten. Um, in Holcud, they pull out every now and then. They pull out a good Q three lap and get it up there. But all season, nothing changed. You knew they would just start plummeting to the back and they never, ever looked at getting on top of that. So it's like, well, if you're not developing the car and you're not going anywhere and you don't look at anywhere looking good, it's like, I don't know, I just don't understand why they're in F1 and I used to always reserve that for Toro Rosso slash Alfa Tori and Haas have taken over that role. So did you go for Haas as well as your team as well, right? Or did you have something different?
2: I went for Aston Martin,
1: Okay,
2: <laughs> and, and I will explain because it, yes, you think P five and the constructors, but they're your biggest failure. Well, yes, because they've done the exact same thing as they did with Racing Point. They've copied the winning concept, and they've just they've just lagged. And when all the other teams start upgrading, even they they they've just they've lagged behind and not shown any any promise. And if it wasn't for, for um, if it wasn't for Fernando Alonso, they'd probably be sitting... Um, they'd probably be... Well, they wouldn't really be anywhere different. I think they'd still have more points than Alpine, but they would not be sitting with 280 points. Um,
1: I, I don't know. I think without um, Alonso giving some tips to Stroll, I do wonder if Stroll would have just spiralled more if they hadn't had that, so...
2: I will, I give, cre- I will give credit to Stroll. Um, I think Stroll's start of the season was really good especially considering he had you know he had his accident in february um and i think stroll has been more consistent this year than previous years and i think he has actually started to resemble um the shadow of a formula one driver um but i just yeah for me aston martin slash racing point ever ever since Lawrence stroll has taken over they just don't have any creativity. They just try and, you know, they, they they do a car one copy. It's the second time they've done it now. And it was obvious the first time they called it Mercedes. or do they call it? Pink Mercedes. Mercedes. This year, they blatantly tried to copy the Red Bull. And as soon as, you know, if you just look at it for like four, um, five podiums out of four, actually six podiums out of five, um and second half of the season when the upgrades came in they just dropped to mid table again. Um and then
1: they they had another thing as well where they put like us, they put upgrades on and it didn't work. I mean they started from the pit lane a couple of times because they just completely changed the entire setup of the car and took the upgrades off at Austin. That's mm. how and, and I think it's
2: I think it's because they genuinely don't understand the car that they've built, because they've not made it with their own R and D.
1: They've copied somebody's homework, and there's one thing copied, and there's another understanding it.
2: And they've gone, yeah. and the teacher's gone. Can you explain your working? And they've gone, no. Uh,
1: yeah, uh, my dog ate my working out. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think I agree with you. But I wouldn't say they're the worst, like say, but I do agree with your point. And I think moving forward, they have taken new staff, or they've pinched a few Red Bull staff as well. And I think. They overachieved at the start. I remember Alonso saying after about four races, oh, we're not going to be off the podium all year. With Alonso, typical over-the-top Alonso, Gusto. Mm. But, yeah, I think the way they collapsed, and like, oh, they got their act together the last two races, yeah, but, yeah, I think the way that McLaren managed to get, you've seen from McLaren, if you look at the seasons, they were polar opposites. McLaren started crap, got good, and Aston Martin switched it. And to me, I would rather have McLaren season where you are understanding your car and you are fixing it and making it quicker and you're on a path than where, I don't know where Aston Martin go into this winter when they put stuff on the car and it didn't work. So it is a concern for them. Um, and if Ferrari, you know, there's a good chance that as we go in, Ferrari, Mercedes with their new concept and McLaren don't drop the ball, it could be another season of no improvement. From them. And Alpine would have been my worst team of the year because that's a mess. What has annoyed me so much, I don't. Maybe they may get their act together, but I don't know. But yeah, controversial. But I I understand your reasoning for you It's also that thing if they gave us hope and took it away. I think that's yeah exactly it. there was there were several races earlier when you think oh Alonso might be able. and then Monaco we mean you but it's not been armchair critics we both called that title call. no and in many ways I always lost it. There we go done. Yep. So, yeah, if you take hope away from us, it hurts us more because it's the hope that kills. But right, Nick, Bing. what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was born in Red Bull. You merely adopted it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, what have you got then, Nick? Is your worst team?
0: Um. Honestly?
1: Uh oh.
2: Go on, sorry.
1: And oh, we've just lost Nick. She's just been dropped from the stream.
2: She's just been um, thrown out. She's just been thrown out the window.
1: Yeah, yeah, like 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 a vampire. I have now rescinded my invitation to the house. You cannot enter.
2: I think I know why. So please tell me.
1: Yeah,
2: go on. Go I on. I'll be really, really honest. No
0: team really shone for me this year. It was between that and Mercedes. Um, I'll be real. There was no great team for me. Um. I mean, I could have gone for racing balls. That was also an option. Um, <laughs> there was no great team for me this year. I'll be real. Um, I don't think anyone really had great, true, strong communication. I just think Ferrari make the same small pitiful mistakes season in, season out. You know, if it's not forgetting tyres, then it's boxing two cars at the same time when you can't cope with it. Um or boxing and then changing your mind when a car is already on its way in. Or, you know, it's just the communication isn't there. And for me, I think that's, that should be the top priority for any team. Um, and I think that should be across with our drivers. And there's not one team that I can say they have got. The best communication
2: this season, because I don't think there is any. Can I can yeah. I can I add a point there? No, I think Ferrari were the second fastest on the grid this year, but once again, strategy has has me- you know has, has has meant that they've not got the results they could have. I think Mercedes have won P2 on strategy. Um, yeah. And I think that's Ferrari's biggest issue. And I know it's going to change because they've had a they've you know they've had a change of hands. And I think it, I think it will get better. And obviously it was only three points difference, and it came down to the last race, which was great because we actually, we actually got to watch a contention for something. Yeah. Um, but I think yeah, I think Nick's next right. Other than Red Bull, no one's really kind of wowed me they, as, as a constructor. They,
1: they, they, they've all dropped the ball in some way or fallen behind them. Yeah, I mean for me. Well, as a Ferrari fan, it was frustrating to hear them getting you know up. I mean, the whole thing of Benotto getting sacked in the off season, um, and then the whole thing—we sorted the reliability. We found this, we found that, we've done this, and then, you know, Leclerc breaks down in the first race, burns through two control electronics, and is having grid penalties by the second race. And strategy's been an issue for Ferrari. I, you know, Vassa came in too late to really do much. He's been working on stuff, and I do think there's been key bits where they've been better. But at the same time, there's still too many times when you're hearing on the pit radio of signs and now more Leclerc as well, calling the strategy from the cockpit. There's something... My concern with Ferrari as a Ferrari fan is it's not Vasa, it's not signs, it's not the team. It's the upper management, that messing with stuff. And if the one thing that Jean Todd did with Ferrari is he turned around to the higher management and went, I'm doing it my way, and if you don't like it, sack me. They didn't, and he did it. And every team boss since him for Ferrari has been too controlled by the upper management. They've been too afraid to say boo. And that's what the team needs. So if Vassa can do that and he can stand his ground, they stand a chance. But if he can't and they don't let him make the changes he wants, then it's going to be the same cycle repeating. So I do agree with Nick. I think it's a bit like we say with Aston Martin, is that they took the hope away, and that leads to frustration, you know? So... I, I still love you, though, Nick. You aren't banned from the house, but... If if it's the same situation this time next year when we do this, I'll be in a flood of tears on the floor. You two will have to take over as hosts, okay? <laughs> ah, sorry.
0: I do think, and also in the, in the same argument, I do think when it came down to the... Um, is it Constructors? Yeah. And it was... um You know, even with Mercedes and... George was asking, you know, how are we doing? How how are we? Where are we? And they were like, Lewis is doing okay. And he was like, that's not what I'm asking. How are we? Where are we in the rankings? That, or-
1: that argument was something else, wasn't it?
0: I just think the communication, they are racing, they're at work, they are doing their job, it's quick, fast-paced. I think the communication between driver and whoever is on the other end of that phone needs to be quick, clear and a lot better between all drivers and whoever is on the end of that phone, because it ain't clearly working with any of them. I think there was a few tiffs along the along the season. I think the signs had a few. I mean, for argues with everyone, but, you know, <laughs> I think that was my note of the year.
1: Yeah. Okay, so we'll move on to this. We'll quickly wrap these up, because um, uh, the subjects I'm going to talk about, yeah, I want to expand more on future podcasts. So, biggest failure of the year... For me the biggest failure of the year was not a team it was not a driver it was the FIA the current president I believe should be sacked I think there's been and we'll go like I say we'll go into this more in depth in the future podcast but basically the way they've been running the show the way they are the ones that are stoking the controversy they should be putting it out of control and it and the communication failures and the bad press releases and the mess ups and then even since the season, the whole way they went about the Toto and Susie Wolfe thing and the way that everybody, I mean, if the FAA screwed up that bad, all 10 teams were able to agree with each other. That doesn't happen in Formula One. But they messed it up and they were so unprofessional that it caused all 10 teams to agree with each other. And that's just a snippet of how bad they've been. And they are the ones that are running this sport. They are the ones that are the rule makers and I've just found them wanting the last couple of years I've noticed that since Charlie Whiting's passed I've noticed, and Charlie wasn't perfect he had his flaws but I feel it's just gotten worse and worse and worse and with the lineup that they've got at the moment it's just concerning how they are damaging the sport. so I don't want to go on a full rant but my biggest failure and like I say we'll expand on some future shows is the FIA so I will put that in there and I will add on it some future shows What's
2: your biggest failure, Ryan? Uh, probably Vegas. Uh, the drain covers. Um, not so much the drain covers because I get you know sometimes these things happen. It was more the treatment of the fans who were then basically told to go home at two or three o'clock in the morning.
1: That that was disgusting. It was absolutely um, disgusting.
2: But yeah, that that's mine. Um, I just don't. <sighs> I get it, and I to a certain extent, but yeah, it was that it started off the weekend in a really bad light.
1: And it just shows that they haven't learned from... Sometimes it feels like they have learned from um, Indie 05, when they've managed to fix things like they did at Guitar. And then you have moments like this where they haven't learned, where the fans get screwed over again. And the things off track that were going on, you know, covering up bits so people couldn't walk past and see anything and the way it was and the way it was monetized. It kind of reminded me of how the UK went about when they had the Olympics. So, no, I get that. It left, whilst the race was good, there was a lot of bad tastes in the mouth on that, so I get that totally. And uh, Nick, what have you guys worst moment of the year?
0: I mean, I think I agree with both of what? you on, um, on on both points, actually. Um, for me, Fry for getting their tyres, <laughs> because I think it was absolutely humiliating. Um, and I just think, you know, that is the simple basics. Like, if you can't do that, what can you do? But, you know, but I also think you two have a very valid point.
1: Well, to wrap up on the negative, because we want to end on a positive, I'll just chuck a few bits that also stuck out. I think one of the bad points of the year for me was the opening round. Uh, not just because the Sailor clip wrote down, but from the minute that Max hit the track and you saw how quick that car was, you knew you were in for a long year. Um that was probably a bad point for me. Other little negative points where Perez not holding up anywhere near looking like a competitor. He, he's talking he's going to fight for the championship. No. So that was negative. Lance Stroll and his attitude and different bits. No. And yeah, so there were some negative points of the year. Any more negative bits that got you guys you want to chuck in before we move on?
0: I'm ready for the positive.
2: Positive.
1: Nah. All okay. Good. Okay, so best moments, will end on the positive, so best moment of the year for me was a Singapore GP, I've already waxed lyrical on how smart signs was, and it was just nice to see something different, something clever, and something that give you an uplifting feeling, and I can't add any more than I did earlier on, and it was just nice to get a Ferrari win this year, because good god, I did. after round three or four, I didn't see us getting anywhere near that. So what about you, Nick?
0: Mine was also Singapore. Um, I thought I loved how Signs intentionally did the DNS. DNS, is that right? Did I say the right word? DRS. Sorry, letters. DRS, there we are. I knew I was wrong somewhere. <laughs> um, I knew that was a wrong letter. DNS is something else. Anywho, it's um, I also store. loved, yeah, I also loved how it was a P1 and P2 for him and Lando, um, I think that was the race that Lando had with his dad And it was just a feel-good, positive race And I just felt good after it And it was nice not to see if back dad can come in first
1: Yeah, and I need to correct myself It was Russell that made the mistake in Singapore, wasn't it? Not Marius from
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like right at the end, wasn't it? He, he hit a, that wall, didn't he? Was
1: that yeah. that race? Yeah, it was, it, it was And he cried Yeah, it was Russell, yeah, it was Russell, Russell. And then Landau, Because and the, did
0: yeah. Hamilton become
1: P3? From that, yeah
0: yeah, yeah, because there was no Mercedes crew out there to celebrate, and everyone was like, "Yes, but Rosalind just totaled the car."
1: He did a number on it, definitely. But yeah, like you say, it was a good, like it was a good Grand Prix. It was just like, say, considering we were, the championship was done, and we still had a fair chunk of the years ago. Really, that was just an uplifting moment we needed. And what about you, Ryan? What did you have?
2: Mine was Carlos as well. I completely forgot about the DRS um tactics. Um and then it. and then Leclerc tried to mimic it the last race of the season and failed miserably. Um
1: yeah, too different to try to do. Although I'll give him credit for trying, you know, he played yeah. fair, so
2: And yeah. yeah he did play fair and I think Mercedes did I think everyone at Mercedes kind of uh appalled him for that. I also think the battle between Ferrari and, and Mercedes, I think mean, that was a highlight of the season. I think it was a very fair fight. It was very clean and there was no drama um, and it was down to last race and like and you know it was a very fair fight um i think it was a good season um i think a lot of people will be a bit upset because there is no contention for the championship but i think the the races and the fights elsewhere i think i think it was a good
1: season for that yeah definitely so well there you have it people um quite a good varied opinions um if you want to let us know um if you want to message me on threads at the minute at ashley and stardust and what you think and we can just, um your opinions there we will get an official um threads so we're not really going to bother with the dead bird app because it's dying and i can't be able to set one up with that but yeah so that was our podcast i think what we've learned from it is not massively unsurprising that if Rebel went not in the championship we may have had one of the best racing years in a long while because um, everything behind it was amazing and in front of it was dull but okay so yeah so that is the first time to lap in the bag um just a couple of little plugs um i um stream on twitch my handle is 1000 the number one triple zero underscore stars if you want to come there i'm playing random games at the minute and I'm doing different bits and um ryan have you got anything you want to plug
2: uh, yeah, I stream on OnlyFans uh, No, I'm joking, <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, Yeah, I do a bit of Twitch uh, I'm iMiric on all socials um, I'm sure you can find me from there Just give me a Google I stream probably once a year, but I'm trying my best
1: <laughs> And Nick is a wonderful moderator that helps on both streams Have you got anything you want to plug, Nick? Or
0: No, I'm just here I'm just happy to be here and alive
2: <laughs> She's the She's the janitor
0: Pretty much, but no one's bought me any. Uh, no one's bought me a janitor outfit yet I could do with that, or a maid outfit, whatever we will do
1: Okay, if we're going into costumes We're going on to a completely different topic So we'll call it there But thank you for listening to the first episode Of Time's Lap um, What we'll be doing moving forward is uh, The reason we have Ryan and Nick on is sometimes Used to the way the world works And jobs and life and college and uni And penguins and whatever else gets in the way All three of us can't be on at the same time so what we've done there is is we've sometimes my day, it might just be me and Ryan or me and Nick, but we aim to put out a podcast at least every two weeks, Grand Prix Reviews, Moving Forward Previews, and all them kind of things. So I hope you've enjoyed the first show. Um, I think it's gone quite good, guys. I think we've had a good time. Um, I'm certainly a bit more controversial than I thought we'd be as well with some pics, but um, thank you for listening, people, and it's goodbye from Nick. Au revoir. It's goodbye from Ryan.
2: I'm not, that, I'm not that cultures. Bye. Bye.
1: <laughs> and it's um, toodaloo from me, Ashley. And thank you for listening to Timed Lap And have a good evening and a good festive season. Sending love. Mwah.